I am just so excited about this word that he's given me because I know it's tailored specifically to you that's watching. If you have your Bible, you can tune into, um, you can turn to Ruth, verse one. Ruth, one. Let me set the scene for you. It's the time of Judges. This is a period in the Bible where it literally says that Israel had no king and everyone did as they saw fit. Now, during this time, there's a famine that occurs in the land of Israel. So a man by the name of Elimelech with his wife, Naomi, and two kids, they move away from the promised land and they go to Moab. We'll pick it up in verse three. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband died and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one name, not Oprah, I know you were gonna say Oprah, no. Orpa <laughs> and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, both Malon and Kilion also died and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two, two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Let me tell you what happened. So famine is happening. It's not good in Moab. Then she hears something. She hears that back in Israel, things are getting better. So she and her daughters-in-law, they decide to go back to Israel. So they're going, but then she turns back to her daughters-in-law and say, hey, honestly, I have nothing for you. You stay here in Moab. You go back to your people. You go back to your gods. I have nothing to offer you. Leave me alone. Let me just go by myself. Verse 14, it says, At this they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Let's pray. Father, thank you. We say, great are you, Lord. God, today our affections are set towards you. And Lord, where you go, we will go. We trust you. And for anyone underneath the sound of my voice, God, you know how they are right now specifically. I pray that you will let them know that you see them. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, a little bit about me. I love running. I really, really do. You want to you race me? I'm probably faster than you. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. But I love running. I love running on the road. I love running on the treadmill. I love running on the beach. I love running in the summertime. I love running in the fall. I love running long distance. Oh, man. The longer I run, just the clearer my mind gets. And my husband, he thinks that I'm weird. But he said, why are you running? There's no need to run, especially if no one is chasing you. And I'm like, Stephen. There are many runners out there. There are a lot more of us than you think. I mean, people, they love to run. They just need the proper motivation. For example, if I were to release 100 bees in the room where you're at now, what would you do? You would run to the nearest exit. Exactly. <laughs> Remember when you heard the jingle from the ice cream truck? Remember when you were young and you heard the jingle? You ran towards that popsicle with the gumballs for the eyes or the sunflower seeds or, or if you had a really peculiar taste, you know, the pickles that are in the jar, you would run towards that. 
funny. Earlier this week, our staff, someone heard that, um, lots of them heard that Kava was giving out free food. So many of them stopped and ran towards that. We love running. We run. We just need the proper motivation. We really, really do. Now, let me tell you. I know some of you are like, no, I don't love running. Actually, I'm a believer. I remember the Mature-ish series, and I believe, and I do what God said. And God told me not to run, but to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Ha, ha, ha. Very, very funny. But let me tell you where we are. This church, this is a running church. And before you say, see, that's why I'm not going to Grove Shack, let me explain. We're moving swiftly with purpose. This church, that's what Union Church is. We're not erratic, we're systematic, but we're going for it. In this season, God is opening up doors. There's a harvest, there's favor. I mean, recently we just learned about 100 acres, everybody. Then we learned about the flowers location, come on. God is doing some really, really major things and we're running towards that, declaring heaven on earth. We're praying, we're fasting, we're, we're seeking counsel, knowing when to specifically pick up this pace and when to slow it down a little bit. We, why? Why are we running? Why not walk? Because it's a matter of life and death. So we have the proper motivations right now. We know that there are increases in suicide, that marriages are, are, are failing, that as a nation, we're just turning back away from God. So we want to do something about it. We are running. We want to make it hard for people in the DMV to go to hell. We want to populate heaven. So that's why it's important. That's why we're running. We're running. We are running. And I want you to be a runner too. You're like, uh, what do you, no, what are you talking about? I know it's the end of the year, but I want you to run. There is something great that God has for you. There really is. It's not just next year. I know some of us, we got our hopes up in the beginning of the year, but there's something now that God wants you to run to. There truly, truly is. His battery isn't running low. It's not like he's out of miracles, like miracles are out of stock and we have to wait until next year. No, there's something right now in this season that God wants you to run to. In the text, we have Naomi and she's running. First, she ran away from her home. Why? There was a famine there. She arrived in Moab and she didn't find relief in this foreign land, but more disaster. It said 10 years later, after her husband dies, her her son, they died too, 10, the year of testing. It seemed like God was just testing her. Before we move on, let's stay there for a second. 10, she's here at a, um, at a, in Moab, away from her homeland, and her husband dies, so she's a widow. And then her sons die? My goodness, this is sad. This is sadder than a Lifetime movie. This is sadder than a country music song. I mean, this is just sad. It's funny because we never really hear messages about Naomi. It's always about Ruth. Why is it always about Ruth? Why is it always about Ruth? But Naomi, there's something special about Naomi. I mean, people, she, she, gets, she gets a bad rap a little bit because, you know, her name means sweet. And then later on when she comes back to Bethlehem, she changes her name to Mara. And so people, and that means bitter. And so people are like, ah, uh, there's nothing really great about Naomi. But I don't think so. I mean, if you look at her story, she really had a lot to be bitter about. I mean, God had failed her, right? I know none of us have ever been there before. But God had failed her. It was one bad situation, and then she left that to go to another bad situation, and then another bad, when your kids die, I don't know. 
that, that's pretty deep. But she had a lot to be, a lot to be bitter about. But here in the text, we find her, she's running back home. That's funny, that's interesting, because when we're mad at someone, when we feel like someone's failed us, we don't run towards them, we run away from them. If we unpack Naomi's story a little bit more, we find that she's actually a real person and with real faith. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. There's a great big future that God has for us, for our marriage, for our finances, for our kids, for our careers. He has it for us. But let me tell you something that you don't really like, but you know it's true. Some of us, we don't get there. And it's not a problem on his part, but it's on our part. What do I mean? It's because of the disappointments along the way. The disappointments that we face that keep us from running towards it. It really is. I'm not sure if you remember this back in science class, but do you remember ever doing the experiment um, when you have to boil a, a frog? Do you remember that? Some of you are like, what school did you go to? I promise I went to a great place. But this, then the whole thing, you put a frog in a pot, and it's not hot immediately, but you slowly and surely increase the temperature up and up and up and up and up and up until it gets Warmer and warmer and warmer. The frog is getting more comfortable until it starts falling asleep. But it doesn't end there. The temperature continues to get up, and it's not even aware anymore that it falls asleep to its death. I think disappointments there are like that. It's little by little, little by little. We're just encountering it over and over. We think this is just what it means to be a Christian over and over and over again until our hope sleeps. We're not expecting anything anymore. Like our hope truly dies. What do I mean? I mean, it's the little disappointments with your spouse. It's nothing major that they did. So they didn't do anything wrong necessarily, but the little letdowns that all of a sudden has you not running in your marriage anymore. You're growing a little bit more distant. You're not praying for the marriage anymore. You're not fasting for the marriage anymore. I mean, your marriage, it just, it is what it is. It's the little comments by your parents over time that has you, I mean, a place where you're just not confident anymore. There are opportunities that come your way, but you've just gone to a place where you're so comfortable where you are that you're not even believing big for miracles anymore. It's the little things. For some of you, this message might find you at a happy place. You're like, I don't know about all those people who are disappointed, but me, I'm good. You know, for you, I'm glad you're good. Maybe your kid is sleeping through the night. Maybe your dog is not pooping everywhere. Maybe everything is fine. Your money's good. Your wife's good. I mean, everything is great. Like, everything is truly awesome. And you say, me, I'm not disappointed. I'm good. Here's the thing. I'm going to ask you to just ask the Lord. I love the prayer that David says. He says, search me, oh God. Ask me, is there something inside of me that's disappointed? I may or may not realize it. For you, maybe everything is good. But if you were to be honest, if you look around a little bit, you'll realize that you don't have close friends or that specific family member to celebrate with. For you, maybe again, everything externally is fine. You have every reason to be happy. People think that you have every reason to be happy. But when you go home and when you sleep by yourself, you know that you're disappointed with yourself. You're not as disciplined as you want to be, or you're not as happy. I don't know what it is, but no matter what disappointments, 
we faced or we will face, God always has something for us. The Bible actually says in Romans 8, 28, and we know with great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, causes all things, not some things, he causes all things to work together as a plan for good for those who love God to those who are called according to his plan and purpose. That's the amplified version for some of you. They're like, what version is that? I believe Naomi, she believed this. She was in the middle of all that disappointment, but I believe she went back home. She went back to Israel because she felt like she knew in her core that God had to make it work together for good. Again, Naomi, she was a real person that had real faith. And as we look at her choices, it'll help us continue this journey. It'll help us to keep running. If you're taking notes, the first thing is move from Moab. Move from Moab. Everyone has a Moab. What is a Moab? It's a place where we go when we get disappointed. Everyone has a place that we go when we get disappointed. It could be a physical place or it can be a place emotionally. Why? Because disappointments, they're a part of life. I mean, before your next connecting flight, let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to stop by the little stand and you're going to get one of those prepackaged sandwiches. And let me tell you, it's going to be gross. So you're going to be disappointed. That sandwich is going to be gross. Or for your next office Christmas party, you're going to be excited for the, you know, secret Santa and all that, but you're going to get a terrible gift. You're going to be disappointed. The Bible actually says it in John 16, that in this world, we will have trials, that disappointments will come. That's what the Bible says. So disappointments, they are a part of life. Question for you, where do you go when you get disappointed? For Naomi and her family, they went to Moab. For you, where do you go? Is it someplace in your head? You just stop talking to people and you get silent? That was me. I would get silent. Like, I don't know what to say, so I'm just not going to say anything anymore. Maybe you're like me. Maybe when you get disappointed, you go to a crowded place, somewhere with your friends where you can party and probably drink it all away. Maybe you go to work. Some of you, when you get disappointed with home or anything else, you go to work because you can't control everything out there. But at work, you're the man. So you can control everything that happens in the man. You gravitate towards that. Maybe you go to Hotels.com. You just start planning your next vacation like, I am out of here. Where do you go when you get disappointed? When there was a famine, Naomi and her husband, they went away from God to Moab. But that didn't bring relief. Note to self, away from the house of God, never. <laughs> it never brings relief. Remember the prodigal son? He left home where his father was representing God. He went to a faraway land, and it didn't turn out good for him. It's never good. It's never good. It's a thing. You can get stuck in Moab because Moab, it's your, it's your escape, right? And you can get stuck in this place of disappointment I'm reminded of the story of um, Abraham, Abraham's dad, Terah. God had called Abraham's dad, Terah, to go to a place that he will show him. He told him to go. And so he started this journey. He started believing God. He started going on this journey. And what happened next? He got disappointed. The text says that his son, Haran, he died. And the text also says that he, Abraham's dad, he settles there. And Haran, he gets stuck in his disappointment. I think there's some of you that you're stuck in a disappointment. 
Maybe you're aware of it. Maybe you're not even aware. And you say, okay, fine. I'm stuck here. I'm not supposed to be here. Where am I supposed to go next? Brings me to point number two. I'm glad you're asking. Turn the sound on. Turn the sound on. I take the GPS everywhere. I really do. And by GPS, I don't mean like Garmin or anything like that. But I... <laughs> they still have those. But I take, the, um, I take my phone, so other ways or maps. I don't use Google because it's too confusing. But I take it everywhere. Why? Because I like to know where I'm going. And I turn the sound on. My husband, however, he takes the GPS places, but he does not turn the sound on. It's actually off. So when we go on date nights, and oftentimes we go to DC, there are all these different turns and everything like that. And I'm like, Steve, and we end up missing the turns. I'm like, Steven, we missed the turn again. And, he, and then I start, of course, I start telling him where to go. And then he gets mad. And then I get mad because then I go, <laughs> I go to open table. I'm trying to modify the reservations. I don't want to miss where we're going to go and stuff. And then he gets mad. And it's just all bad. Pray for your pastor. He's wrong. I'm like, Steven, if you don't turn the sound on, you're going to get lost. You know what we hear? It directs where we go. Some of us, we're not hearing anything, so we don't know where to go. We know we're stuck in disappointment, but we, know, we don't know where to go from there. I'm telling you to turn the sound on. We're not sure what Naomi's um, husband, Elimelech, heard, but we are certain that he moved away from God. He heard something, so he moved away from God, the promised land, to go to Moab. He went to Moab. What Naomi heard, however, it, helped, it moved her back to her home, where her situation was ultimately changed for the better. She heard that the Lord had provided food for her. She didn't see what God had done. She heard it. That takes faith. For you to leave where you are, where you're com semi-comfortable at, to go back to the place. Last time she was there, it was, there was a famine, so she hadn't seen the Lord provided, but she, to go back there, from a word, it takes faith. It reminds me of the woman with the issue of blood. She had suffered, the Bible says, for 12 years. She had gone to doctors. She'd done all these different things to try to get better, but she didn't. And it said in the text that she heard something. And so she came towards Jesus. I'm not sure what she heard, but she heard it. And she moved towards God. It was very taboo for her to be in that condition. She couldn't even be in the, um, in the crowds or anything like that. Imagine she had an issue with blood. Let's say she's severely anemic. She didn't have energy. She's probably really drained and really sad, very disappointed. But she heard something, and, she, and it, it jump-started her. It motivated her to move towards Jesus. Romans 10, verse 17 says, So then faith... It comes by hearing, and hearing the word of God. What are you hearing? I don't know. What are you hearing? And where is it taking you? Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. His word, it guides us. It guides us where? Towards his promises. And remember, he promised. He promised what? Hope in the future. He has really good plans for you. His word takes you there. If you want to go in the direction of financial freedom, open up your word. 
Start studying things about financial freedom. The Lord has a lot to say about it. If you want to move towards a place of joy, open up your word. He says so much about peace and not having anxiety, and you can move towards it. Don't just run anywhere, a.k.a. live your life in any which way. Turn the sound on. He is always speaking. He's always guiding us back home. The last thing is keep your circle close. Keep your circle close. Here's the truth. In our journey towards purpose, he sends divine relationships to help us along the way. He really does. For every Naomi, God will send a Ruth. Who is Naomi? A person that's just experienced some things. Um, I think that's us. A lot of us have experienced some things, and we've experienced it firsthand. Naomi, remember, she moved to a foreign land first. She lost her husband first. We all have things in our lives that we're experiencing before another person. So there are Naomi's, and there are also Ruth's. Who are Ruth's? People that we can lead. That simple. I think that there are silent roots in our path, and I think they're watching us. They're looking to see, are we going in a place that they want to go? I think Naomi, yes, she was destitute, but there was something about Naomi. Again, we don't talk, a lot of messages don't talk about Naomi, but for Ruth to want to forsake her gods, for Ruth to want to not be around her, her own mother and her people, for Ruth to want to go with Naomi, this destitute widow, to a foreign land, there had to be something about Naomi. Someone say there's something about Naomi. There is something about Naomi inside of her that made Ruth want to be around her. I believe it was the God in her. Yes, she was disappointed, very, very sad, and have every reason to be bitter. She was, but there was something about her, the God in her, it could not be quenched. What about you? What about you? Can people see the God inside of you? I dare say that they can. Naomi, this widow who'd lost seemingly everything, Someone wanted to follow her? Yeah. Why? Because there was greater that was inside of her than he that is of this world. That's what it says in 1 John 4, verse 4. There just had to have been. There just had to have been. I mean, do you remember the text? Ruth says, where you go, I go. Where you stay, I'll stay. I mean, it was so powerful that Chris Tomlin... He would write a song about it years later. I know you know the song, or maybe you're singing it right now. But when we're going through, our tendency is to isolate ourselves. We don't want to keep people close. Naomi, again, she's a real person, and she is really hurting. She doesn't know what's going to become of her, so she tries to push those closest to her away. Why do we push people away? Why? Even the most spiritual of us, sometimes we push people away. For me, I remember when we first got married, things would happen, and my husband, the one closest to me, I would push him away. It would be some, something that took place, and I just wouldn't know how to articulate myself. And I don't know, maybe I was just used to being disappointed in the past. I don't know. He had never disappointed me before, but something would happen, and it seems like all of a sudden I'm just walled up. I know no one is like that, but the one closest to me, 
I'm pushing him away. I'm so thankful that Ruth decided to cling to her. And this is a message, it's not a marriage message or anything. I think for those though that are married, God provided your spouse for a reason. He really did. Cling to them. Don't push them away. God has placed you amongst people, good people. Don't push them away. The enemy wants you to feel isolated. The enemy wants to feel that there's no one else who understands your disappointment. And that's not true. That's just not true. The Bible actually says in Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9 to 10, it says, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Don't be alone. It's not going to end up well. Keep your circle close. God has provided some people in your life for a reason. Keep them close. Truth is, though, when we're disappointed, we feel barren. We feel as if that there is nothing that we have to give, right? And I bet Naomi, again, this real person, I bet she felt like she had nothing to give. But even out of her disappointment, even out of her lack, she still served. She still gave. She gave wisdom to Ruth. She poured into Ruth. <laughs> Just thought of something funny. I think some of you Ruths out there, you haven't found your Boaz because you don't have a Naomi in your corner. You're still looking for your Boaz, but Naomi is a plug. She will tell you how to get a man. That's exactly what happened. Y'all need to read the Bible. It's just so good. Naomi, an OG, told Ruth. <laughs> I thought that was funny. You can be disappointed, but still have something to give. When you are disappointed, you still have something to give. It can be little, but in the hands of God, it's a lot. He can multiply that. So I know you have a lot going on, but you have time. So you can still serve. I know that promotion, you're really disappointed that you didn't get that promotion, but you can still tie. We can be disappointed and still have something to give. Why are we giving? Because God has given us so much and we give out of a response to his extreme generosity. By the way, we can never outgive God. We can never outgive God. It's impossible. Then you have Naomi, this widow who has nothing. She pours into Ruth and Ruth ultimately gets married to Boaz. And the thing, the very thing that Naomi was so sad that she lost, God gives it back to her. We pick up the verse of Ruth 4. It says, then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The woman living there said, Naomi has a son. Keep that up there. Remember, she said, don't call me Naomi. There's nothing sweet. There's nothing pleasant about me. Call me bitter. Call me Mara. No, no, no. The woman didn't even listen to her because her life was still pleasant. It said Naomi, not Mara has a son. It said Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. What? 
she had lost so much. So much had happened, famine, death, 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 all of that happened. Yet here we see God making it work together for good. Naomi ends up being this in the story, this beautiful story. And Ruth ends up being one of the great grandmothers of King David. And if you follow the genealogy later on, our Messiah ends up coming out of that. Out of what? Out of great disappointment. Why? Why did all of this happen to Naomi? All this good. Because she dared to trust God. In her disappointment, she dared to just run towards him instead of away from him. And when she did that, God just smiled down at her. If you're in a season of disappointment right now, let me tell you, the story's not over yet. Turn the chapter. There is good in store. God is that good. He's that great. He has something good for you, good plans and a purpose for you. You don't know how good, but I think I think the generations to come, they're gonna say thank you. Thank you for not stopping where you are. Thank you for daring to trust God. Bow your head, let's pray. Father, for some of us, it's the best of times, and for some of us, it's the worst of times. Life really sucks right now. And God, you know exactly what people are experiencing. You see each and every one of them. I pray again that you will let them know that you see them in their circumstances and you have a way of making it all work together for good. God, I pray that you will give us all endurance, that you will give us fresh energy, that you will give us strength, God, to continue this journey, this walk with you. I pray right now that you would reveal to us, God, the Naomi's or the roots that are in our lives, God. And I thank you that you're giving, reminding us of what's in us, God, that we can give away. God, we know that we can never outgive you. So we thank you for the many blessings, God, that are going to come our way. God, we say that we trust you. Right where you are, maybe you're listening to this message. And your friend just sent it to you. And you're like, what's going on? What's going on is that the Lord, he's here right now, wherever you are. And he's desiring a relationship with you. For some of you, you're used to church, but perhaps you're not used to God. For some of you, maybe you've been running, doing all the things, and you've been excluding God. And right now, in your heart, you feel this tug. It's this pull. It's very gentle. And that's the Lord saying that, hey, won't you come back to me? I long to be with you. And if that's you that's feeling disconnected, feeling far away from God, it'll be my pleasure to pray for you. Right where you are, all you need to do is believe in your heart and confess with your tongue that Christ Jesus is Lord right there. He steps in. He steps in and literally everything changes right there. So if that's you that's wanting a relationship with the Lord, repeat this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. God, I ask that you would step into my life. God, lead me and I will follow you. God, where you go, 
I will go. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, for some of you, you just said that prayer for the first time. Come on, give yourself a hand clap.